Oh, hello friend. Come, join us by the fire. The story's about to begin. So this here is going to be a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons campaign. We're going to be running it in the worlds of Magic the Gathering, a card game that is made by Wizards of the Coast, the same people who make Dungeons & Dragons. All of the stuff we're going to be using can be found on their website, um, whether that be in the core rulebooks, the Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master Guide, Monster Manual, that sort of thing. We're also going to be using the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica and the Plane Shift articles, as well as a few homebrew worlds. Ravnica is a massive cityscape, and it is bustling. It is never... it's, it's an unsleeping city. Now, nestled inside of this city are many secrets, not the least of which being that there are more worlds than one. And there are people who can hop between these worlds without the need of outside magic, and these special folk are called planeswalkers. Within our group, we have three such people, gifted, talented mages in their own right, who have an innate ability to travel between the worlds. Coming down into the cityscape, at the center of everything lies the 10th district. The place where all of the different factions hold their guild halls. Where all the different deals, where most of the different deals of the world are made. And where the center of politics and culture meet. As we come into the 10th district, central and slightly west of this area, is an area known as the Hall of the Guild Pact. This bulbous structure stands forth in the middle of a massive courtyard. And on this slightly rainy day, we have three individuals entering into the Hall of the Guild Pact, told that there's a job for them. And sitting down in the waiting area of the Hall of the Guild Pact, they wait. Bartholomew, would you like to introduce yourself? I would love to. So I am playing Bartholomew Avenant. He is a level 3 bard, storyteller. Um, anyone who looks at him will notice someone who doesn't really seem to fit in with any of the guilds of this plane. Um, he's wearing very fancy clothes, but very fancy clothes that look like he's been traveling for a while. Um, they're kind of torn, kind of haggard, but still you can tell just looking at them, this was once a very rich man. He's got a pretty long beard, um, his hair runs back down to about his shoulders, it's a salt and peppery, like black and gray mixture, denying that he's getting a little up there in age, but he has this big smile on his face, he just is enamored with everything around him, looking around, he sometimes catches himself looking at people for probably a little too long before looking away, but he just is loving life and is very excited to be where he is at. As you look around, there are a variety of individuals here in the Hall of the Guild Pact. There are members of the Golgari probably looking for something to do with the sanitation of the city. 
you've got a couple of is it scientists that are lo- probably looking for an approval to their frankly insane projects. A couple of Boros guards, a couple of Azorius guards as well. And there's a couple of individuals here that also don't seem like they belong. One of them is relatively short and has a wonderful beard. Offer, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course. So my, I will be playing a uh, mountain dwarf, specifically the Kaladesh dwarf, um, named Balfour Draperdral. For those who are unaware, Kaladesh is a, another plane in the Magic the Gathering world system. And while dwarves are not native to Ravnica, they are native to Kaladesh. And uh, unlike, you know, normal sorts of mind-dwelling mountainside dwarves that you kind of picture, you know, the uh, Kaladesh dwarves are much more finely dressed, a lot more aristocratic looking, um, deal a lot more with tinkering um, than they do with actual, like, you know, smelting and forging, things like that. Um, but you wouldn't be able to tell that from, from Alfred's appearance. Uh all four, four foot ten of them, with his bright golden, dark green eyes. He uh, got long black hair that comes down past his shoulders, long black beard that goes even lower. His robes, you can tell at one point in the past, if ever, they were clean. Uh, then you could tell that there used to be some type of coloration to his robes, maybe some, uh, some nice, you know, uh, inlaid patterns and some gold strips and stuff that go down the sides of his robes, but all of that is covered with dirt and soot and mud, and mud of uh, the travels that he's been on. And he doesn't seem to really care much uh, for for the fact that his appearance is worse for wear. He seems like he's totally comfortable where he is. He doesn't seem too interested in the people going around. They're more interested in the, the construction of the city, the, the stonework of the buildings, kind of eyeing the architecture as he goes through the city, um, trying to make note of you know, guards and staring wary of lawmen and things like that. But for the most part, seems pretty content and comfortable in his new surroundings. So yeah, being here in the Hall of the Guild Pact, even though you were told that there was a job here for you, is uncomfortable as this is the center of where law is made. While the Azorius lay claim that they are the law mages and the the be-all and the end of the law, ultimately they fall under the authority of the Guild Pact, Jace Bellerin himself. Now, Bartholomew, as you were looking around, not only did you see this relatively unkempt dwarf who appears that he might ally himself with the Golgari, there's another individual in here, rather dour, another human, who, if it weren't for the all-black coloration of their clothing, would probably very much seem like an Orsov person. Suri, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I will be playing Suri Windcaller, and she is a native from Innistrad. She is a human, and 
she's been traveling for a very long time. She's wearing uh, like a leather trench coat that you can tell is it's very old, like probably upwards of 50 years old, this trench coat, uh, covered in dirt. It might be a little big for her. And she also uh, has a book with her and a satchel that she carries it in. Uh, she has a hood up, and you can see black hair kind of trickling down out of both sides of the hood, like past her neck. Uh, her eyes are kind of like sunken in. She's pretty tired looking. Uh, obviously been traveling for a very long time. All right. So do any of you have any questions before we continue on? I do. Have we met each other before, or were we all separately summoned to this place and just happened to be in the same waiting room? So, the waiting room is a rather large area. There's a lot of people who want to see the Guild Pact, but more often than not, they're kind of shunted off to meet with representatives. People who represent the Hall of the Guild Pact, but are not the Guild Pact themselves. Guild Pact is a living person which is very curious in its own right. As a couple of decades before, there was a major war between the different factions here on Ravnica. All of the ten different guilds dissolved the previous guild pact. In the chaos, there was found to be a maze running throughout the entirety of the length, breadth, and depth of Ravnica. And once the maze's end was found, the magic of the Guild Pact was actually reformed and put inside of a living individual, one Jace Bellerin, another planeswalker, who is somewhat notorious, but is one of the better-kept secrets here on Ravnica. Those of you who would have traveled to other worlds would know at least of the name, um, of Jace Bellerin. Maybe not know that he is the Guild Pact, but he is often actually not on Ravnica, and so the Hall of the Guild Pact really needs to cover up well for his random disappearances. Okay. And have me, Balfour, and Suri met before, or is this our first time meeting? I completely avoided that question, didn't I? <laughs> I would assume that each of you have met before, okay. but you're not necessarily friends. Okay. I think I disagree. I'm friends with everyone, but... <laughs> <laughs> We've essentially, like, seen each other, I'm guessing. Yes. Like, passing by. Yep, you all know of each other, and have probably seen each other on various occasions. It's more of a friendly acquaintance, a classmate, or something like that. Okay. Um, not someone who you regularly associate with. Well, since I recognize these two, I am instantly going to beeline straight for them. Um, how are, I, are you guys close to each other? Are you separated? Like, are you guys... What are you guys doing? Am I beelining it to both uh, of you, or...? I'm probably somewhere in a corner, people watching and admiring the structure of the building. Okay. Similarly, I'm probably sitting on a bench uh, looking or writing in my book. Okay. So I'm going to plonk myself down right on the bench next to Surrey, and I'm going to, like, wave vehemently in Balfour's direction, very, like, 
like everyone else would be looking at me like what what the heck is this guy doing <laughs> like desperately trying to get Balfour's attention like hey come join us friend <laughs> um can, can i can i help you no i just you were sitting alone i've seen you before i figured you could use the company oh uh, what's that you doing in your book there oh it's, are you it's a writer nothing. Telling yes stories? yeah it, nothing quite important it's just just some journal work oh uh, well, if it's your education. own story, then I'd say it's very important. Oh, <laughs> that's very flattering. Thank you. So, Buffer, this fellow that you've seen before, you actually first recognized him on Kaladesh, is waving quite vehemently at you. You've never thought that you would see him elsewhere. Here he is. Could it be a bit of bad bread that you ate? Could it be... <laughs> That he's actually here. What is going on? Oh, walk on over to Bartholomew and Suri and kind of roughly, you know, did you need something? Do, do you not recognize me? I, th I didn't expect to see you here. I mean, you're not exactly from I around here. You. Yeah, yeah. We've been mm -hmm. seen that. You remember. I'll turn to Suri. I'm going to turn to Suri and I'm just going to say, hey. Uh, Give us something uh, sharp real quick. Uh, something sharp? Poke me with something sharp. Um, I, I, I look in my bag. Um. And inside of your bag you can see that weapon, that thing that took your father's life. You found next to his corpse. Um, I might have a crossbow bolt somewhere. Digging in deeper. <laughs> I want you to actually roll an investigation check for me. All right. Girl, I love this campaign. Let's see if it matches the amount of rolls that we have happened so far. I got. Please don't repeat uh, the test session. <laughs> I got a seven plus three. The ten? Yeah. You do have a crossbow bolt. Um, they didn't let you take in your full crossbow. That was registered at the weapon check before entering. Um, the Hall of the Guild Pact is a neutral location, and as such, no member of any guild or any guild list may take any weapons in here. Okay, so I don't All have right. my rapier then. No, you do not. Alrighty, good to know. I do not have a great axe strapped to my back. So <laughs> I pull out the crossbow bolt, and I was like, I, I managed to sneak this in somehow. Stab me. Hey, you you want me to stab you? Stab me. I, this all seems a bit silly to me. I'm, I'm real, I can assure you. I, I'm just going to grab the crossbow bolt and I'm just going to stab myself in the arm with it. <laughs> now, how okay. deep do you want to go with this? Is this like I'm I'm checking to see if I'm awake? Or is this a... Yeah, Balfour is convinced that this is like a waking nightmare because Bartholomew's here. And so he's just kind of making sure that he's still in ground and that, you know, he's actually here. So he's going to give himself a pretty good little little prick with that crossbow bolt. I want to ask you a question at this point. How have the last few weeks been? Have they been rough? Is it your first time planeswalking? Are you talking to me? Yes. It's probably the first time. This is probably the first world that I've planeswalked to. And I don't think that I've fully understand what happened yet. I can it goes more into like 
my backstory of, you know, how my spark ignited and things like that. And we can go over that later more in detail. But this is definitely like, I feel like I should, like I'm in a coma experiencing a, a nightmare or a dream right now, kind of. It's kind of how Alfred is feeling about everything that's happening so far. That's the vibe that I was getting. I just wanted to make certain because yeah. that is, it's interesting for me as a narrator. Um, Balfour just takes that crossbow bolt, gives himself a good jab in the arm, looks at the blood kind of starting to come out of his arm, looks at the Bartholomew. Crap. All right. Hands how, the bolt back to Surrey. How evident is it that you just recently planeswalked or that you've just gone through something terrible? Like, is that something that Bartholomew I mean, would be able to see just looking at you? I want you to roll an insight check for that, actually. That's my best skill. <laughs> 26. All right. So, Buffer, I do want you to take one point of damage due to just stabbing okay. yourself with a crossbow. Of course. And Bartholomew, it's not just his disheveled nature. It's not just that his beard has grown out, that his hair has grown out. It's also that it's unkempt. It's a wild look in his eyes. You can tell that not only is Buffer not from Ravnica, but that he only recently arrived, within the last few weeks, maybe a month or so. Okay. And even now, he can't quite figure out what is going on, where he is, why he's here, and there's a very real sense of distress coming off of his whole being. Right. As soon as Bartholomew like really observes his friend and sees this, a look of concern crosses over his face and he like just puts a hand on your shoulder and is like, my friend, it wasn't that long ago that this happened to you, was it? This is all very new to you. I'm getting happy mask salesman vibes from Majora's Mask. <laughs> You've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? <laughs> I sit there and just says, if by this you're referring to this place and ending up here however that happened instead of being an icicle to be eaten by a mountain giant and yeah yeah this is new and i'm not exactly 100 percent sure what is going on right now my that does sound quite traumatic i'll have to write that down later um there are let me just give you the, the quick and short version of what i've learned there's more than one world and I'm saying, like, Bartholomew's saying this very loudly. He's not trying to hide this conversation at all. It's like, There's more than one world. And see, you're from one. That is actually really cool. I really like it. And at saying. this point, at this point, there's actually a, there's someone who says, Bartholomew Avenant, now serving Bartholomew Avenant. And he's like, oh, um, I will continue this conversation later. There's so much I have to tell you. Long story short, you have your world. This is a new world. You're here now. I'll be right back. And I'm going to turn around and walk off to wherever it is that I need to be going. The attendant who called you over says, are your two associates going to join us? Oh, you didn't say their name, but yes, I'll, I'll turn around and... Hey guys, they want you too. Come on. I I get kind of confused. I look up and I look at uh, Boffer. I'm like, really? Us? That's Let's go. And so unwittingly all three of you are brought into a single office area real quick sorry how tall are you 
Uh, probably about five foot seven. Okay, so you're definitely a lot taller than I am. So coming into an office, there is a blue-skinned individual. Um, this is a Vidalkin. Think an elf, except far more stringent. Think an elf crossed with the blue monkey people of James Cameron's avatar. Where it's we are super strict. We don't exactly know what's going on outside of ourselves. They're kind of smart. And this person is sitting there, fingers bridged, and says, I take it you're here on the Krenko request. Yes, we are. Yes, of course. Now, Bartholomew, you definitely, you were in for this, because you were like, ooh, Krenko, he's a goblin mob boss. You you know about him just in terms of people don't necessarily like him. But you want to get his story. The other two of you, you're like, wait a second, they called us in even though we weren't really supposed to be in here with him, but because we were sitting together, they thought that we were together, so we're here. Okay. This Vidalkin sitting across the table from you, fingers crossed, says, excellent. Now, one of the reasons as to why we decided to put this out towards the guildless was... We did not want any guild affiliates going after Krenko, as we believe it was a member of a guild that wanted his release. Interesting. And at this point, Bartholomew's pulled out like a sheaf of paper from his pocket and is like scribbling it down with a little charcoal pen or something, like, madly writing notes down. Krenko was in the middle of a maximum security prison transfer. He was being taken over to Udzek, which is just on the eastern side of the 10th district. Franco was originally captured for his gang activities along Tin Street. No, Foundry Street, as he looks at his notes. He was apprehended for his long list of crimes, including, but not limited to, murder, arson, breaking and entering, and much more. He actually was alleged to incite a riot that led to the death of a guard and two inmates at his prison two weeks ago. This was the deciding factor in the prison transfer. What we need for you to do is find Krenko and ensure that he is recaptured. Alrighty, that sounds like an adventure, eh guys? Um... I'd ask where he is, but I don't think you would be hiring us if you knew that. Do you know where we should start our search? Certainly. He gives you the location. It was in the middle of transit. If you would like to go to the maps and character art, go to the Ragnarokka picture. Of course, I click it and I download yet another one. (laughs) So he was originally being held near Haman Fortress, and he was being taken to Udzek Prison, which is on the eastern side of Nuprov. So it was within um, Kramen Kramen Fortress and Plaza West that he escaped. Okay. And just for some context, when you say recapture, you mean soul and body, correct? 
an yes, odd question, quite important. yes, we want him alive. Now, to assist with your investigation, I am prepared to give you ten Xenos. Xenos being the common currency here on Ravnica. To cover your expenses that you might incur during the investigation. Upon delivery of Renko, you will receive 100 Xenos each and my gratitude. Mm. I would like it noted that not only do we want Krenko alive, you are not to question him. Am I understood? And he Absolutely. looks pointedly at you who are writing down copious amounts of notes during the whole of his briefing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Absolutely understood. We will not ask him anything. Question? Yes. Can you read mine? You, you can't just ask someone that. I'm just so Apparently I mean, he can. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. No, I cannot read minds, though there are many here who can. Do you require that sort of service? No, just checking. And like, kind of like leans over to Bartholomew, like, you can ask him anything you want. They won't. Just very, very quietly, hushed tone. I want you to make a stealth check for me. (laughs) I don't think I have any modifier to this but can i assist him by like making a show of writing in very large letters on my notes do not ask questions i'll allow it that is 11 plus 2 13 you do have advantage on the roll oh there you go that is a 16 plus 2 18 heck yeah the Vidalcan across the table does not seem to notice this comment. All right, and I'm so sorry. Where are my manners? What, What is your name, sir? I am Nasius Venn. Now, I will arrange for a location to be made within the second precinct. No, we don't want this getting out to the Azorius. The third precinct. When you have captured Krenko... Let me know using this device, and he hands you a small stone that looks like it has an ear on it. That big stone? Yep. Cool. As soon as you have captured him, you will let me know using this device, and I will give you the location. If I let you know too early, Austamir might read your mind, and the location would be well known. Understood, Masius. Is there anything else that we need to know before we move out on this endeavor? He slides a folder across the table and he says, This <laughs> is Krenko's prison record, as well as his dossier. Okay, I instantly open it and start looking at it. <laughs> you may want to go to Sawtooth Prison before looking at this information. Okay, I'll close it up and... Well then, friends, are we ready to go? At Sawtooth Prison? Yes. Alright, are we all good to go then? I believe we are. Yes, thank you so much, Nasius. I thank you for your service as well, even though it has not been rendered yet. 
All right. Um, do any of us know where Sawtooth Prison is? Um, asking around, it's pretty easy to find. Okay. Like I said previously, it is actually just outside of Cayman Fortress. Okay. On the top level of Cayman Fortress or on the bottom level? If you look at that picture, you see that structure that's kind of pointing out towards Wayport? Yep. It would be that structure there. Okay. Cool. So a I little love bit lower. Map. Oh, it's so cool. It actually cool. is a combination of all of the different maps inside of the Guildmaster's Guide with all the different locations pasted onto it. Nice. Whoa. So the first precinct would be that southernmost one with Plaza West, Plaza South. The second precinct is over by New Prov on the far eastern side. Um, V2 Ghazi and most of that greenish area is Precinct 3. Precinct 4 has Sunhome, the Red Wastes, and Skarg. Precinct 5 has the Zonot 7, Tin Street, part of the Smelting Quarter, and then Precinct 6 is most of that southern bit. So if I start laying out Precinct names, know that they are available in the Guildmaster's Guide for description, and that if you have a question, you can just ask me, and I'll point it out on the map. Um, the map will also likely be put in the description below. Um, as we step out of the guild hall, I'm going to turn to my compatriots and... So, where should we start? What are you guys feeling? What are you thinking? Hmm. He said that if you wanted to read those notes, we should go to Sawtooth Prison to do it. So I feel like that's probably a good place to start. Seems like a good idea to me. Now, something that all of you would notice is that it is getting pretty late in the day. Um, you were one of the last appointments to actually make it into the Hall of the Guild Pact. And as you were leaving, you noticed that the lobby was relatively empty. Either people had been shooed away or been shown in. On retcon, uh, retcon. <laughs> retcon question for Nassius. Um, is there anything that we need from you to be able to go to the prison and go into and out of it freely? The dossier should give you all the passes that you require. Perfect. Simply show this, say that you were sent by me, and they should let you in. Alright, in that case, should we find some lodging for the night as it grows late? I actually uh, think I can accommodate that. And I'm going to lead them across, is it Precinct 2? Is that, the, is that right? Where the concordance is? So it would be kind of in between the border of Precinct 1 and Precinct 3. Okay. So you'd just be leading them north from the Hall of the Guild Pact, along Plaza Avenue, into the 10th District Plaza, and then across Plaza East towards Concordance. Okay. So yeah, I am going to lead them to my apartment, to my abode. The way that your apartment is laid out, somewhat like a Victorian row house. You've got three floors. The main floor, the upper floor, 
and the lower floor. The lower floor was originally designated as a servant's quarters by the original Orsov owners. Um, Concordance as a full neighborhood was originally Orsov in nature, um, who built it, who maintained it, and then afterwards, after a deal gone wrong, it went into Selesnya hands. Three floors. And so, it's an interesting mix of architecture, with Ivy running up and down all of the different walls, and that some of the structures have even been completely torn down to put in new parks. Um, are there multiple bedrooms in this apartment? Like, do I have the furnishings that they would each get their own bed? Or is it going to be like a yeah. bed rolls on the floor thing? Okay, cool. You've got multiple bedrooms. Easily. Cool, cool, cool. Um, during the course of our journey here, I think um, Bartholomew would have spent the whole time just like pointing out cool things that he's noticing and just chatting their ears off about whatever the heck catches his fancy. Um, but it's not until we actually get into the apartment that he starts to say anything about the mission again. And he's like, you know, that wonderful gentleman said not to read this till I was in Sawtooth, but I don't think I can wait. I think I'm going to read it here. Would anyone like to join me? You know, generally I don't trust strangers so it's a little bit strange that i'm following you to your home but yes i would like to see that file and you balfour does your curiosity is it sufficiently peaked as well i knew we'd all be friends and i'm gonna lead the way if i have a study i'll go to a study if not i'll probably just go to my room and you likely have a separate study on the middle floor okay you don't have any servants that I know of. And so that lower floor has kind of become more for your secret areas. Um, you don't go down there a whole lot, as not only is there stuff about planes walking down there, there's also some artifacts from your time on Dominaria. Okay. So yeah, I'll lead the way to my study. And I'll open up the dossier and I'll kind of like spread the papers out so that we can all like take turns, like looking through the different things and figuring out what we figure out. All right. So I want for everyone, I want this to be a group investigation check. Okay. So we'll just, we'll take the highest result and run with that. Ooh, I got a nine. I got a four. I got a 12. <laughs> okay. Offer, you're frankly tired at this point. It's you've been sleeping kind of out in wherever you could find. Um, had several run-ins with the Azorius, who frankly probably have a warrant out for you. Yeah, I even met a troll under a bridge. It was an eventful couple of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> it's been rough, and so not too long into this hunt. You grab a paper, you sit back in a chair, and next thing you know, there's some subtle snoring going off in the corner. Bartholomew! Oh, so <laughs> well, at least he tried. True, he's had a very harrowing experience. Bartholomew, you are able to find out that Krenko has been a goblin mob boss for several years. He ran out of Foundry Street. Um... 
lots of crimes were evaded. He, they weren't exactly pinned right to him, but they were known to be done by his mob um, until recently. And after about that point, you recognize, oh wait, Buffer's asleep, and you go and you start getting necessary things to make sure that he is not only asleep, but comfortable. Okay. Suri, while Bartholomew's off doing that, you continue looking, and you find that... Franco was brought in by someone else. He was brought in, brought in by a Gideon Jura. He was a freelancer who worked with the Boros Legion that was able to pin down a murder of one of the Shatter Gang, um, a rival goblin gang to Krenko. They were able to pin a murder of one of their members to Krenko. And so after that, the Gideon Jura in there in the dossier, brought Krenko in. Beyond that, you're starting to lose a little bit of interest. It's dense. It's not the sort of material that you want to be reading. Okay, so after after seeing that and getting a little bored with it, since this is his study, I kind of want to see if there are other interesting books in its house. So I guess that becomes a question for Bartholomew. What sort of tomes would you be keeping in your main library um that is a good question i think there isn't many um su surprisingly but they're all like there's this huge hodgepodge of bunch of stuff um various subjects um anyone who knows what they're looking for will recognize that there's probably stuff that's not from ravnica on this shelf um, books that are bound in weird ways. But there's no, like, one specific subject that is represented here. It's just a bunch of different stuff. And are the books from different planes, are they scattered about? Or are they all in kind of one specific section? They're mixed in. They're scattered about. It, does, it doesn't appear that there is any sort of organization system to the way he has put things on the shelf. So, looking through the different books, Sir, I want you to roll me... Let's do this as a perception check. Yeah, and I'm not going to necessarily uh, look for the books based on like their titles or uh, maybe what they look like a little bit, but mostly like how they feel and like kind of the energy get I'm getting off them. Vibe check. Let's actually, let's make it Arcana. Then. It is a vibe check. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the general Arcana vibe check based off of that. Uh, 17. 17. As you're just kind of raising your hand, just lightly dusting the different spines of the books, there's a few that you feel like a slight tingle. You pull them off of the shelf, look at them, and you're like, this is kind of interesting. Hopefully put it back where it belongs. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that's super important right now. Mm -hmm. And then there's one that you come across, and it feels like home. Oh, I immediately grab it. You grab it, you pull it off the shelf, and sitting in your hands is a tome of scripture depicting angels from Innistrad. The Archangel Avacyn, Lost Flight of Angels, The Heron Flight the Gold Knights, the Alabaster Flight. 
it goes through the different and these are flights of angels from Innistrad, things that you would recognize as people as angels meant to protect humanity one of the bastions in defense of that world and some of them are your enemies ooh all right i'm going to i'm going to hold on to this book i'm just going to slip it inside my pouch do I walk in as she's looking at the book or after she's slipped it away? Let's make that a higher low. You say higher low, I will roll it. Hi. So, Suri, you seem to get lost in this book. And tears are almost welling up in your eyes at the look of something from home. Somewhere that you want to get back to and at the same time have avoided. And... As you are sliding your book in, there's a single word that comes out from the doorway, which is... Just one word? Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I gotta choose one word. Um, Gotta make this powerful. <laughs> Please. Can, I, can it be a, a short phrase? I can't think of a, yeah, a single word. Yeah, it can word. be a short okay. phrase. Did you find something you like there? I jump up and drop the book on the floor. And I'm like setting a blanket and pillow down on the desk next to um, Balfour. I I just was admiring your study. I got kind of a little bit bored with the research. Nah. I know it, my, my collection is quite interesting. Um, that one that you picked up, that's a very interesting one. That's I found that in a place where there's a lot of a lot of people's lives are not the best. It was a very sad place. I didn't enjoy my time there. But the fellow I got that book from, he seemed to find a lot of comfort in it. Maybe it'll bring you similar similar comfort. I I look down at the book and look back up at Bartholomew and I'm, would you truly allow me to take it? By all means. I've read really... through it. I find it interesting, but it's not not something that I feel is important to me at this time. I think I'll remember the stories inside. I appreciate you very much, and I pick up the book and slip it in my pouch and uh, wipe away some tears. Bartholomew won't—he won't say anything more on the subject. He'll kind of like poke Balfour to try and see if he can wake him up and be like, "Hey, there's." There's a bed upstairs. If that would be more comfortable for you. Balfour, with a long background and being a soldier, he springs awake at the first at the first motion of something touching him, grabbing for his axe, and just kind of stares at Bartholomew. Looks up, staring at Bartholomew, just like, "What did you say about a bed?" He just kind of walks out of the room, carrying the blanket that he brought with him. Just. Up the stairs to your right. There's a bed waiting for you. I give it a thumbs up over the head as he walks out the door. <laughs> All right. Quite an interesting individual. Yes, he is. I'm, I was honestly shocked to see him here, but he's a good person to have on your side. And I'm going to sit down at my desk and start looking through the dossier again. So, assuming that you take a 10, what would your score be? If I rolled a 10? If you had rolled a 10, what would your result have been? 
That's investigation, right? Yes. Fifteen. So, as the night begins to wear on a little bit, Buffer has gone up to bed. Suri, are you going to hang out and continue doing the research, or are you going to find your abode? Uh, I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably go to sleep. It's been a long day. I've been traveling, walking, looking at stuff. I was already tired. So going upstairs, pull out the book again, lay down, place one hand on the top of it, and with that comfort that something from home has found you, find your way into a restful sleep. And... Bartholomew, as you continue into a little bit later in the night, not uncommon for you, but at the same time, with your age, it's a little bit rougher. You do end up finding out that when Krenko was arrested, he was possessing a magic shiv that could punch through force fields. As to how he had... What was that? A magic what? A magic shiv, a prison knife. I heard that correctly, then. Perfect. Reportedly, it could punch through force barriers, walls of force, that sort of thing. As to how Renko got the weapon, it is unknown. Does it say that he, like, he got it while he was in the prison, or when he was arrested originally to be taken to prison? At the time of arrest. The other thing that you notice are... The other thing that you notice are two notable associates. Um, one is named Mr. Taz, and a second is a person by the name of Fallish. How do you spell that? F-A-L-I-S-H. Okay. As, as you see these names, you know that they're important, but you can't really find the concentration. Your eyes are just beginning to feel very heavy as you okay. see this. So probably looking in the morning will reveal further information. Alright. Before he goes to bed, with how long, how much experience I've had with Ravnica, do I know that, is there like a high likelihood that just leaving this information on the desk would be a bad idea? Or just do I feel like the things inside my home are safe? Because as a player, I know of some things in Ravnica, but I don't know if Bartholomew knows about them yet. So I guess that's a question of how much experience does Bartholomew have with Ravnica? How long has he been here? Long enough to have a home. Yeah, I think he's been here a while. Um, I think he definitely would take precautions in like locking the doors and making sure that not just anyone could get in. I don't think he would have had any experience with the Demir. And that's the big thing that me as a player was wondering. So, I think he'll like fold up the dossier and stick it on the shelf next to a book in the study and then go up to bed. He won't like leave it on the desk, but he won't take it with him either. I'm figuring that would be about the level of precaution. Um, considering his openness of saying that there are other worlds, he likely is a per- person of interest to house demir oh he probably doesn't know it okay that's what i was wondering and then he'll go to bed the night passes uneventfully three of you wake up i assume that bartholomew you would have cooked food 
Oh, yes. I must treat my guests well. <laughs> so the two... Suri... So Suri, Buffer, the two of you wake up to the smell of a hot breakfast downstairs. Come down to the kitchen where you find that Bartholomew is in an apron, cooking, looking as happy as can be. You totally read my mind. I was going to say he was wearing an apron. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, friends. Got your plates right there. Figured you'd be waking up soon. Morning. Appreciate it. Is there meat? Oh, yes. Perfect. Can't stand those vegetarian breakfasts those elves always had. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at that comment. I imagine um, he probably cooked up I picture having like a very large egg, probably about the size of an ostrich egg, that he's like scrambled up between all three of us, and then a very like thick, hearty piece of meat from an unknown Ravnican animal of burden. Meat is meat. I dig in. <laughs> and you've likely got some bread and some other stuff as well. Just a very healthy, wholesome breakfast. Mm -hmm. Filling as well. And by the time that the meal is over, do you guys want to have any sort of conversation during that time? I think Bartholomew would have asked, How, how'd you all sleep? Fine. Quite better than I have yeah. in a long time. Oh, good, good. I slept great. I've been sleeping here for a while, though, so it's, it's my bed at this point. So, the rest of the breakfast passes... Not very much talk about the mission at hand, and as you go back into the study, Bartholomew, you go back up to where you place the dossier, and it's right there. Okay. I was waiting for the, and it's gone. <laughs> I'm not going to be that cruel yet. I'm going to wait until you guys have some magics that make you think you're safe. Gotta wait until we've made some enemies first. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as he's like opening up the dossier and going about re returning to the research at hand, I'm going to let them know, uh, after you guys went to bed last night, I found out something rather interesting about this Cranko fella. Uh, when he was arrested, it says here that he was in possession of a magic shiv. I think that's a dagger, um, that is capable of piercing force barriers, like magical barriers that are designed to make that not happen. Ooh. Which is not something I expected from a mass murderer. This guy's probably a bit more connected than we originally were thinking. A bit smarter than I was expecting, too. Yeah. Um, I also found something in my research last night. So oh. the person who originally brought Bingo... Bingo. Bingo. Gringo in <laughs> was named uh, Gideon Jura. And he brought him in after he'd started a sort of a gang war with a rival gang called the Shatter Gang. Now, Bartholomew, you would know that the Shatter Gang, it's not only the name of the gang, but it's actually originally a, a set of three brothers. The Shatter Gang Brothers. <sighs> I feel like I'm jumping off into a musical now. <laughs> <laughs> But the Shatter Gang brothers, they got together kind of a rival gang to Krenko. And 
as you look through the parts that that Suri is pointing out, you end up seeing that it was actually the youngest of the Shattergang brothers that was the confirmed murder. Oh, okay. So it sounds like these Shattergang fellas probably don't have a very high esteem for Krenko. Imagine not. I'd say maybe we could seek them out for information, but I have a feeling if they knew where Krenko was, we would not be able to bring him in alive like Nassius wants us to. Good point. Definitely seems like... There were... Oh, go ahead. Three brothers? Yes. Was there three brothers? Okay, cool. And the youngest one was killed by Krenko or someone in his gang. This Gideon Jura fellow managed to catch Krenko. I wonder if we could find this Gideon guy. I'm sure he would have some very helpful information for us. But I have no idea where to start looking. Well, considering that he was a freelancer to the Boros Legion, oh, you could yes. actually probably, and Sawtooth Prison is run by the Boros as well. There's that. You could also meet with contacts, see if any of them heard any information about what has happened with Krenko. I'd like to go to the prison, take a look around. That certainly seems like a smart way to start. Agreed. Alright, and then after we talk to them, I may know someone who can give us a little more information. But we can talk to him afterwards. I want to hand out all the the various passes. Is it one like singular pass to like help us get into the prison, or is it one for each of us? It is a singular pass. Okay. I'm going to fold that up and like stick it in my coat pocket outside of the dossier. I think I'm going to leave the dossier at home. I don't think I'm going to carry it around with us. All right. So from there, we're going to Sawtooth Prison? Yes. All right. Random question. How is it common for people walking the streets to just be, like, strapped? Like, are there people, like, carrying their, like, weapons with them? Is it, like, a normal thing? Or is this, like, or do we look super weird? Uh, do I look super weird as a four foot ten dwarf, besides the fact that I'm a dwarf, carrying a great axe on my back? Is that like a super weird sight that draws a lot of attention walking down the road? Or. A great axe would draw attention. Most people have some level of arms on them. Mm-hmm. Um, great axe often... referring to specifically the weight, not necessarily the length, because obviously, dwarf. Yeah, yeah. It's it's more of they tend to carry smaller weapons, personal defense, rather than I'm ready to go and crack a skull open. Okay, just wondering how out of place I look. With the great axe, very. Without it, um, you could easily pass as someone else, someone who would be more local. And I, I can throw my cloak, like, over my shoulders to have, like, my great axe obscured, correct? Is that possible? So when you're saying great axe, what sort of thing are you thinking of? Are you thinking of, like... Two-handed, heavy great axe. So when I imagine that, I'm imagining almost like Emily from Lord of the Rings with a big pole and broad double-headed axe. It is a it's a broad double head axe, but it's instead of a long pole to it, it's more of a short and stout pole made for like 
instead of like I, I it's oh I'm trying to figure out how to describe this because when I was looking into like which weapon I wanted specifically for him and then like dwarfs and their abilities to wield certain weapons and who can wield a heavy weapon and double-handed wheel all this stuff I was trying to figure out I was kind of imagining like to make it work for a dwarf since the rules don't specifically say that like creatures of a certain build can't carry weapons of a certain weight or size I kind of wanted to make it more like image practical so just imagine a big double head like great like big axe but then the center is more instead of like wood handled it's all like gilded metal and it's kind of like woven and wrapped around the uh, base like through throughout the hilt to give texture for the grip and so all the weight is coming from uh, the actual blades and then the metal that encapsulates and uh, connects them to the hilt and so you get a stronger swing from it rather than the length giving the power to the swing so it's actually like just like a strength Really strength-based weapon. Okay, so if you take a look in the map and character art, does that is that kind of what you're looking at? Yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of like a short handle but heavy. Okay, so it's the mass that produces the They're power of the damage, back. not the inertia. Okay. Exactly. Yes. So it fits better with a four ten dwarf. <laughs> If you were to sling your cloak over it, it could conceivably be seen as a shield. But I would want it to be done as a disguise check. As a... Oh, I don't know if disguise is a skill. I don't think it is in 5th edition. I think I'm thinking of a different edition. Um, It would likely be stealth. Maybe like a sleight sleight of hand or stealth? Sleight of hand or stealth. Either one. Either one? Okay. Let me... So with sleight of hand, it is a 17 plus 2. So yeah, this is... Having your pack on the outside of your axe in such a way that you could actually still sling it out if needed, this thing looks like a shield. This is... Who knows what's going on underneath that cloak? (laughs) With it being a Kaladesh weapon, like in my mind, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm just picturing like the handle starting short but then like mechanisms lengthening it when he needs it in battle like the various metal pieces orbiting or doing something that like it extends in the moment and then can like shorten down i just it feels very kaladesh to me so that's what i've been picturing i i would say that 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 works heck yeah that's exactly what it does <laughs> it's a it's a telescoping handle. It goes as long as you need it. <laughs> There's probably some weird person going out and advertising and saying, "You can buy one today, but wait, there's more. If you contact us within the next 15 minutes, you'll get a second telescoping handle absolutely free. Just pay separate processing and handling." <laughs> All right, so we head into the was it Sawtooth prison? Yes. Let's do it. And I'm not super conspicuous. (laughs) Going to Sawtooth Prison takes a little bit over an hour in terms of travel time. We're leaving relatively early in the morning before too much traffic hits the streets. And you arrive 
They escort you into the prison. The main warden meets with you. As he looks at your group of three, he says, All the guild packed these days. I glance right. at my two companions like, I don't know, that's a little iffy, that statement. <laughs> Nothing against you. It's just, I'm... <sighs> I wonder why they hand this out to the guildless. We have no other reasons to do it. That didn't come out quite as eloquently as I wanted. What I meant by that was we have no ulterior motives. There's no one above us wanting us to do this for them. Of course, that's what you would say. <laughs> Easy to say that from the outside looking in. However, from my point of view, looking out, this world is in chaos and, well... We need to bring it back to peace. I will not disagree with you there. We're just trying to do our part to help the peace come. Well, that seems agreeable enough. What can I do for you? We're looking for any information that we can find on Krenko to that would aid us in our search for him. And the apprehension and he, when we find him. He does that hand-in-the-face thing where you can tell that that is just an absolutely sore spot. And he's like, oh, right. Yes. Okay. Takes a deep breath in. Let's it out super slow. So, what about the Krenko case? Can I help you with? What do you know about his capabilities? What is Krenko capable of? For starters. Well, clearly he's capable of getting out of a maximum security vehicle, though not without help. He had help. Yes. We made sure that this thing was absolutely secure. Lookouts, guards, we made certain that this was not going to be an escape. However, while we were in while my guards were in Plaza West, there was an incident, let's say. Going down one of the more narrow streets, there was a deep fog that appeared, their view was obscured, there was a crack that was heard, and, well, when the fog had cleared, Krenko's restraints were on the ground, but he was not in them. I'm figuring House Demir, and I'm telling you, there's more than they let on. It's not just letter carriers. Something happened. I'm guessing it was them. Have I heard much about the Demir on my time here? So I know they're generally, so, like, there's not a lot known about them in general. Well, there's kind of three different f aspects of the Demir. There is the outward aspect, where they're the letter carriers, the couriers, information people. Like, general networking people. It's like going to your local FedEx. They carry letters, they carry packages, they manage information on all of Ravnica. Then there's the secret side of Demir. If you get inside of their network, spying, the espionage, not just on other guilds, but on other aspects of House Demir. And then there's a third aspect that, frankly, you guys don't know about, because even that is not an open secret. Like, people talk about House Demir as if it were a really, really like house like 
fantasy noir. However, no one really chooses to believe it because, well, it's never happened. Okay. Everyone has stories, though. A neighbor who disappeared, that sort of thing. Okay. I've probably heard some of these stories then. Yeah. I imagine. Okay. Um, do you two have any other questions? While I think of what my other question was. I had one, but then I actually forgot it. See, that's exactly what the sort of thing that House Demir would do to you. <laughs> <laughs> you are a cow farmer. You have two cows. The next morning, you wake up and you're a cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> of the peach variety. <laughs> I was thinking shoemaker, but that <laughs> works too. Okay, that, that, that's, even, that's even darker. <laughs> do, you, do we have a list of Krenko's known allies or yes we do in that copy of your dossier there should be at least two notable names we have several others however we suspect that these two would be the closest to the escape attempt mr taz and we actually don't have any further information on him the azorius are trying to find out more however that process is slow at best I find justice better served quick. They like going into their rules and regulations and withered twos and by fours and ugh. Second person relatively close to the area of the escape is a woman by the name of Fallish. Now, we know that she originally was a member of the Izzet League, but it seems as though she has gone rogue. As to where she is now, we're not entirely certain, but we suspected it's somewhere off of Tin Street in the 6th Precinct. Very good to know. And would you happen to know the whereabouts of someone named Gideon Jura? Ah, uh, Gideon Jura, and he gets this... He lights up at that. He was something else. As to where he is right now, I actually don't know. Um, last I heard, he... Well, tried recruiting him. It didn't work out so well. He is... He's got a sense of justice that I absolutely admire, and at the same time, it aggravates me. However, in short, I don't know where he is. Um, but I heard that he was hanging around with the Guild Pact a little bit. Oh. They seem to know each other. At least, that's what I've heard. Can you remind us, how long ago was it that Krenko made his escape? It was just yesterday. Yesterday, okay. Yeah, we want to get on top of this thing before Krenko can start a gang war. Of course. Understandable. So, you're thinking he's still in the, still in the area, then? Absolutely. I don't think he could have okay. gotten too far. Better to get on the scent while it's hot. The area that the escape happened is it is there any particular gang or organization outside of the guilds that is known to have a lot of sway in that area well plaza west so we try and he pulls out a map that shows the route of the prison transfer Ooh, and perfect. he shows crayman fortress cayman fortress going across tin street towards orsova and bit southeast from there towards Plaza West. They were going to pass 
just to the south of Hall of the Guild Pact, and then take a um, one of the subways from Augustine Station over outside of the 10th District toward Udzek Prison. Not a regular route, um, one of the special ones that has been fabricated by the Azorius for easy transfer of prisoners. Okay. While he has the being transferred. Okay, who said that? That was Josh. What was that? Why why is he being why was he being transferred in the first place? He incited a prison riot here, and frankly, we can't have him riling up too many folks. This is also a little bit close to his original stomping grounds over in Foundry Street. We wanted him to have better security, more eyes on him, that sort of thing. While they're talking and while he's got the map out, I'm going to like draw just a quick little sketch of the map with the route that he's, so that I can refer to my notes to know exactly what route they had been following later on. All right. And as he says that, he actually does point out a specific road in Plaza West and says, this right here is the road that where Krenko made his escape. Okay. Now, we've wardened off the area as best we can. However, that neighborhood is largely in control of the Orsov Syndicate. So, we're doing what we can. We're not certain as to how much is going to get out. And just out of genuine curiosity, this this Krenko, he's a fellow with a long history of violence and crime. Why is it not better just to kill him? Well, that's because he has information about all the run-ins and doings-on in Foundry Street in that area. Oh. And frankly, if we were to kill him, that would incite even more of a gang war than it's already. You get that he did crime? He kept a decent amount of order in that area. Hmm. The necessary evil. Precisely. Alright, we'll go find your crime boss for you. And is there anything else you guys can think of? I don't think so. Not until we leave. Let's now, if you do thing. manage to find him, would you be willing to let me know? Is that something y'all can do? We weren't told otherwise. You probably won't be the first, because we were given a fancy little way to let those at the guild pact know when we've caught him. But as soon as we're able to, I think we can probably let you know that he's been captured again. Just shakes his head and says, dang, they got on this real good. <laughs> yeah, funding is amazing. And this guy's been Joros, oh, right? Yeah. Thank you all for joining us in this episode of Fireside Dice. This podcast is produced by Realms of Roleplaying, and all music used in this program is produced by Alexander Nakarada. Surface Sand Studio. We'll see you all in the next episode.